1: Suarez delivers. Swing and a drive, left field. It's deep, it's going, yes! and it is gone! Yes! Yes! It is Bedlam at the bank as Bryce Harper has put the Phillies on top! Are you kidding me? Oh. His tenth <laughs> career home run in the postseason. Welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardian Speed Reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. Sarah, it sort of seems weird. I mean, as fun as this was over the past week, it now seems weird that we have an entire week to go without baseball um, because... Both series, both CS series, LCS series were unbelievable and finished so ridiculously fast. And now we're left with, I think you tweeted it today, a preview of the offseason and practicing for what it's going to be like to see uh, all of our updates say no baseball games today. And this feels wrong.
0: (laughs) Yes, I mean, I agree. These were outstanding series, so at least we got that. And, you know, I will say, and I will give a little bit of a plug before we dig in a little bit more to everything that did happen in both series, that if you're looking for baseball to watch this week or in the off season, the Dominican Winter League has been available on MLB.tv for the last two years. And I'm not saying this because we work for MLB and are hosting a literal MLB podcast. No matter where I worked, I would be psyched about this. So if you have not watched Dominican Winter League games, now is a perfect time to try. There are games all week except for Wednesday. This week, if you have an MLB.tv subscription, just go to the MLB.tv page and you can pull up the games. They are so much fun. And if I can give a plug to a specific game, whenever there is a home game for the team called Lise, Tigres de Lise, Franklin Mirabal is their announcer. He is the most exciting and fun announcer you will ever hear. He has all of these catchphrases. He is a bundle of energy, so They have a home game tonight on Monday. Highly recommend watching some baseball that way. But I think we should start by talking about the NLCS here.
1: Well, okay. One, if anyone thinks that your Twitter is like a shtick of uh, I love baseball and it's just like this facade, I hope that just gives like some sort of a little glimpse into the fact that that is as true to you as it gets. because. This is what you do. You find baseball when no one else knows that baseball's going on uh, and you're constantly watching it. So I hope everyone can get that glimpse. I'm glad that there is a break on Wednesday because it's like the baseball gods lining it all up for everyone to go watch Do Hyung Park, a friend of the podcast, on Jeopardy! on Wednesday. So I think that's pretty perfect for that to be lining up well. So yes, plug for Doe as well. But yes, the NLCS, let's start there. We'll go in order of how the games played out yesterday. One, I think I sort of have to start with, you tweeted about it, I I texted you. We sort of have to start there because one, I know that, oh gosh, who was it even at this point? I think it might've been Passan who tweeted about the Astros being inevitable last night. I'm sorry, but it sort of seems like the Phillies are like that. To me, it seems like the Phillies are inevitable at this point. And okay, no, they didn't sweep. But like, this was ridiculous. in the fact that it felt like no matter what, the Phillies were going to win that game. And I texted you because I was on the phone with my parents, mostly because I had just finished up uh, my first six mile run in this process and I was, um, you know, trying to distract myself from wanting to collapse and take a nap in someone's yard in the final mile. So I called my parents during that and I was like, um, hi, I need to distract myself, so talk to me and uh, get back and I turned on the game. I mean, the game was like still on from when I left beforehand, um, you know, like three hours before that because of my old lady pace of my running. It was still on, and I sit down just as Bryce Harper is about to come up to the plate. And I'm talking to them and I'm like, you guys need to turn on this Phillies game because Bryce Harper's about to hit a home run and he's gonna take the lead here. And not to throw my dad under the bus, but he said, no way. I will I will throw him under the bus for a second. I said, no, it's gonna happen right here. And so of course, because neither of us wants to be the one who's behind, we immediately try to listen on our phones to see whose TV stream was ahead. And I was ahead, so I then muted so that he didn't find out anything. So I'm watching Harper's Homer just eek out over the wall and I have to sit there silently as if nothing happened and continue conversation so I didn't spoil it. And then I hear my parents go, oh my gosh, is this seriously? And I said, told ya. <laughs> and so then of course I immediately text you and I'm like, "Um, Sarah, I just wanna let you know that I called this. Um, Can't call something without telling Sarah about it. So I think that they have the feeling of being inevitable right now, which I think will be ridiculously fun to watch against this Astro team, Astros team, who has the same vibe.
0: Definitely. And it's interesting because it's a very different form of inevitability that they have. The Astros, and we'll talk to them more, they have that overall dominance they've had going back to 2017, but really going back to even 2015, the first time that members of this group made the postseason together on the Astros. But the Phillies have that that vibe that every team that makes the postseason when they're not world beaters, every team wants to be what the Phillies have been. Every team wants to be the group that truly use momentum, intangibles, everything that I can't quantify, and really have it propel them all the way to the World Series. You know, I was talking earlier today, and I think these Phillies have a lot of 2019 nationals to them. And I think that's why the World Series is going to be interesting. I mean, you know, we're talking about now, so we'll continue to a bit, but of course, the Astros are the obvious favorite here. No question, I don't think any Philly fans will even be offended to hear that. But we felt the same when the Nationals faced those Astros who were so good with Garrett Cole and Verlander. You go top to bottom on that team. They saw Springer, they had Correa. They were really good. And we were sitting there saying, the Nationals are going to get swept and that series ended up going seven games. It's still the only best of seven in postseason history where the home team did not win a single game, which is wild. And so the thing that gives me hope for the Phillies is the fact that we didn't expect the Nationals to do that. And I really think these teams share a lot of sort of, you know, a championship DNA. But I want to get back to the home run a bit. So, the home run that you called, I called you Mandy Nostradamus, and I stand by that. So, just to make sure I mean, hopefully, if you're listening, you're watching, you've seen it, you've heard about it, but they were trailing in that moment. This wasn't just a tie game, they were behind. So, this was the sixth home run in postseason history by a player with his team trailing in the eighth inning or later with a chance to clinch the game, uh, clinch the series, excuse, excuse me. Obviously that sounds like a lot of qualifiers, but I think if you think about it, it really isn't that many. The idea is you were on the verge of losing toward the end of the game with a chance to clinch. So the others were Juan Uribe in 2013 in the NLDS, Joe Carter on the same date as Sunday in 1993, the walk-off home run to beat the Phillies in the World Series. Then we had Jack Clark in the 1985 NLCS, Pete Rose in the 75 NLCS, and Hal Smith in Game 7 of the 1960 World Series. And I thought Joe Davis did a great job with the call. And it really felt like if you've watched baseball for any part of the last 10 years, you know, even more than that, really felt like Bryce Harper's career was building to that moment. And I know he's won two MVPs. He's gone from some people thought overrated to underrated, however you want to say, that felt like a crowning achievement of a moment.
1: No, I agree with you. I mean, I think the I think you said it the best way you could is that it's all been building for this because there has been so much over the last few years of talking about Bryce Harper being overrated, especially whenever he went to Philadelphia and you start looking into it and it's just like, okay, this guy is getting too much. I don't know, press or hype or whatever it may be, to see him have this type of moment, to see him deliver when it mattered and to be the guy who everyone expected him to be because of the hype that had been around him, but he wasn't maybe quite that. um, I think it's, as always, great for baseball to see those types of things. You see him getting the uh, NLCS MVP. Um, because of it, what did he hit? He had over 400 with like six doubles, five homers, like all this ridiculous stat line, um, in the postseason so far. And it's just been, it's been a fun spurt really for, to watch of, of the big players stepping up because I know we'll get to the ALCS and I know there's a lot of New York fans who are frustrated with how Aaron judge played in the postseason. which how you can be even, I mean, I get it, but after the season, he puts together, and then immediately, I think it was during the se- the series when Cleveland was there, they're booing him, and I'm like, wait, how did this just happen in a matter of days? But um, I get it. It's a that's a type of environment that demands excellence and it demands perfection, um, and so when your star players aren't the ones carrying the team, it seems so strange. But baseball's so different. It's not like a Basketball, where LeBron can just dominate and really carry a team. Baseball is really like anyone can step up, you can have unsung heroes at any point so it is cool whenever there are star players who are the ones who are stepping up like bryce harper has done so far this postseason and to see him go to head to head with guys like alex bregman and everyone else with the astros who have been absolutely dominant that's that's going to be a great series to watch
0: this is the national league championship series most valuable player award no surprise bryce harper though I mean for all of the Bryce Harper's who have won LCS MVP there are just as many guys like Steve Pierce in the 2018 World Series for the Red Sox no disrespect to him but he wasn't there with the 13-year $300 million contract he's not that type of player so it is really something when the players who we expect to step up in those moments, actually have those moments. And you mentioned about him going to Philly, and I did want to mention one other thing about Harper. I believe I noticed this or pointed it out on Twitter for the first time, maybe in the wall card series, when he, Homer? And certainly if not then, then in the division series. But there was a point when Harper either hit a home run or a double and he's standing there and he did that thing that athletes do where they kind of point to their chest and they point to the words across their chest. You know, we often hear teams and players talk about it's for the name on the front, not the name on the back. But I feel like he has really embodied that his whole time in Philly. I mean, they're players who play in a city for 10 years, and you never associate them with the city. And then you get someone like him, who played in D.C. for the first eight years of his career, I guess. Yeah, he debuted in 2012. He was there through 2018. And I never thought Bryce Harper, D.C. That was never how my mind worked. But since he has gotten to Philly, he has embraced it. He wears the headband with the Fanatic on it. He wears cleats with the Fanatic on him. And there's something so subtle about a player just motioning across his chest Philly, that's who I'm here for. And I feel like he has done that in so many celebratory moments this postseason. And I just really love to see it from a player who went there, signed the long-term deal, very notably and famously at the time. No opt-outs, it wasn't, oh, I'm going here until, you know, I'm frustrated with this situation, I'll go elsewhere. None of that, he said, I'm going to go here. And we're going to be great someday and here they are in the World Series
1: Bryce you signed here 13
0: years you said no opt outs i want a long term home philly will be my long term home when did you believe that a night like this could happen for you and this franchise i think we always believed right there was no no emotion or anything
1: that it wasn't going to happen, that we weren't going to be back and have this opportunity to be here. And with this team, with this organization, with these fans, with this city, we got four more. Let's go get it. Bryce, you've hit so many big It's hard to believe to think like, okay, Harper's been there for a few years. They've had some solid teams. They've had some struggles. They've had all these things. But it's just crazy to think back to like the last time they were there was 2009. And it was, I mean, it's hard to believe in general that 2009 was so long ago um, now that we're about to approach 2023. Um, But now watch this. This is how we transition to the LCS against the Yankees. um, Yep. I set that up right there. And uh, yeah, and the Yankees, that was the last time they were in the World Series, which I add even more crazy to me um when you think back to that uh because this is a team that you're so used to saying okay they're there every year they're always in it but they're really not anymore and that's it's so it's such a weird transition and so it, the biggest reason for that has been the Houston Astros and I know there've been a bunch of stories written in the past week about how the Astros own the Yankees and They really do at this, like in the last decade or so, they really, really do. And they obviously was no different this year with with a sweep to cap it all off.
0: Yeah, so couple things to go off of there. As you were talking, I had my mind racing with about six different stats that I looked up. And I do have to say, I don't like negative stats. I don't like pointing out how many times The Yankees have been swept or whatever else, but sometimes these things are necessary. So to your point about the fact that the Yankees always used to be there in the World Series and now they're not, they have lost the last five ALCS they've been in, 2010, 2012, 2017, 19, and then this year. That is the longest streak of LCS series losses by any team since the round was established. And again, this is the team that has won more World Series than anybody, played more postseason games, more World Series games, all of that. And as you said, a big part of why they haven't gotten there has been the Astros. So the Astros have now eliminated them four times in 15, 17, and 19, and then this year. That is the most times that any team in postseason history has eliminated the Yankees four times. And they're one of only six teams, or I should say six head-to-head matchups, where one team eliminated the other four straight times.
1: Mm, My gosh. Yeah, I mean... The trend is unbelievable. Uh, it seemed like the writing was kind of on the wall that these two teams were going to meet again this year. Uh, I know Cleveland really tried to make sure that that wasn't the case. I know Cleveland was confident that that wasn't going to be the case. But the history here, it just keeps lining up. And it was just a matter of who was going to be facing the Astros uh, in the the ALCS, it seemed like, and I I was confident that the Mariners were going to give them a really difficult time. The games were very close, and they did give them a hard time, but again, it was still a sweep, um, and it was still the Astros dem demonstrating their dominance once again. And I think it's it's been it's been weird in a way to watch this series because you're sitting there and it's just like. How are they going to do it? In the same way that I sort of knew in that moment, like it felt like it because I saw your tweet about whenever I was tweeting about or texting you about Bryce Harper, everyone responding to your tweet was saying it had that feel. That moment had that feel. Everyone felt that coming. But it seems like that was like an isolated moment for the Phillies. I mean, yes, there's been moments where you're like, yep, here it comes again. But for the Astros, it's like every inning, is this going to be the inning that they do it? Because they're going to do it. It's just a matter of when. And to have that type of dominance in the postseason is ridiculous. And I know I texted you and I will allow you to talk about it, but I texted you and was like, um, are they seriously going to be undefeated in the postseason this year? Because I, I really think so. And you responded so quick with stats, as always, that I actually thought that you texted me at the same time projecting that I was wondering if a team had ever been undefeated. Um, So kudos because you're always ridiculously fast on everything. But, I mean, I was. I was curious. I'm like, is this about to happen?
0: I mean, it's amazing. In the exact same moment, I started getting the tweet ready to say, here are the teams to go undefeated or have the best records in a single postseason. And then you and Olney texted me at the same time saying, hey, what's the best record in the postseason? And we had Alison Footer, one of our wonderful editors at MLB.com who was in charge of that series, asking the same question in a room on Slack, we we're chatting about the game. I mean, everyone was thinking, it. and by the way, this was in game three, I believe. It was kind of the moment where you realize they're probably going to sweep. So, to answer the question, so since the postseason became a postseason, not just the World Series. So, when we added the LCS in 1969, there's only been one team to go fully undefeated the 1976 Reds. They were 7 and 0. They swept a best of five NLCS, and then they swept the World Series. But there's two other teams to go 11-1 for a 9-17 winning percentage, which is tied for second best in that span. And that's the 05 White Sox and the 99 Yankees. So that is what we're looking at for the Astros, and again, we'll see if they're able to pull this off right now. They're 7-0 and heading into the World Series. The only other teams to reach the World Series undefeated in the wildcard are the 2014 Royals and the 07 Rockies. Both of them actually lost the World Series, but I would say the difference is those teams were not prohibitive favorites all year. Those were teams that sort of surprised everybody by the fact that they were undefeated by the time they reached the World Series. They were both wild cards, in fact. So the Astros are in a very different spot being undefeated right now.
1: Now we have another Astros topic that we'll get into in a second, but before we move on completely from this series, I think the biggest now topic when it comes to the Yankees, now that they're ending their season earlier than they would have hoped, is Aaron Judge. I think everything goes into it, and I and like it's all focused on, is Aaron Judge going to be back in New York next year? Uh, well, I shouldn't say in New York. I should say at Yankee Stadium with the Yankees next year. I'm going to just ask you, even though I know you hate projections and I know you hate giving definitive answers unless it's stat-based, but what what do you think? Do you think Judge is going to be back with the Yankees next year? Because I've never seen a contract year quite like his. Um, so quite convincing case for any team.
0: It's a very convincing case. I'm inclined to say that he won't be only because we haven't seen the Yankees really break the bank other than for Garrett Cole you know, a couple years ago. We haven't seen them go out and spend that kind of money on a position player in a while. Now granted, there's never been anyone like Aaron Judge. There's never been anyone did 62 runs in a contract year, so could they maybe? but I feel like the better odds are to pick any of the other 29 teams. So that's what I'll go with. Obviously I have no clue, none of us have any idea. And the best part is, I mean, you know, there's so many analysts on Twitter who are actually fans and uh, you know, we love you. We're so glad that people are such rabid baseball fans, but I feel like I've already seen so many analyses of how his face looked in his post-game presser last night and oh, you know, he said this about since I've had on the pinstripes. I'll just talk about this one, um, you know, they just, <laughs> they play better than us, you know, as simple as it is, you know, they came up with the big hits, um, pitching staff did their job, you know, played great defense and you know, that's what it really kind of comes down to. I was watching the guy. It's like 11 something PM. He's in a cozy hoodie. He just wants to go home and start the offseason. Obviously, he would rather they win and move on, but that hadn't happened. He's getting peppered with questions. I mean, I would not make any projections based on what or how anything was said last night and i feel like that's a good reminder for fans that there's a lot more going on than in that exact press or that exact moment
1: yeah i mean i saw a whole bunch of people looking into the fact that he kissed the yankee logo on his uniform i mean there's all these things people trying to read it into nobody knows nobody knows how it's gonna play out My gut says he ends up back there. I think, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees do hand him a blank check and say, fill it out, you're staying here. But nobody knows. And it's going to be, he's going to be quite the hot commodity. Uh, It's going to be a nice hot stove offseason because there's so many different things to keep track of and that's always fun. But we need to shift our focus back to the Astros, and I know it's a topic that you are dying to talk about, so we'll take a quick break so that Sarah can come back and talk about one of her favorite people in baseball.
0: Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again.
1: Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Lang's researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. And Sarah, I think we should just give you the floor right now because I know one of the most exciting parts of this postseason for you was to see Dusty Baker once again continually having success. And I think it goes without saying how much he's loved in the baseball world. I mean, you talk, you ask anyone about him and their face lights up. I know I've asked Tito about him. Everyone gives has some sort of Dusty Baker story and everyone can only say the best things about him. So it's always nice to see the good people getting the success and the attention that they deserve.
0: I am so... So excited for Dusty Baker. I mean <laughs> as you said he is so beloved and my favorite part about Dusty Baker, well there are a lot, but part of it is probably <laughs> the fact that he is so cool that he doesn't even need baseball. I mean there are legendary stories about him going to concerts, having these amazing life experiences Being an inventor of the high five, everything with the toothpicks, I mean, he is dusty. And I feel like if you're a baseball fan, all you need is that first name and you know exactly, not just the individual, but the entire vibe around him. But I just want to give some credit to the amazing baseball life that he has had. So he made his MLB debut as a 19-year-old in 1968, he played until he was 37 years old. Then he made his managerial debut as a 43 year old with the Giants in 1993. He was the youngest manager in baseball. And here he is in 2022, he's 73 years old. He's the oldest manager to ever reach a World Series. And, of course, he is still searching for that first World Series. And you have to hope. I mean, you know, it's such a tough World Series to pick when you're going off of storylines as opposed to just the talent. I love everything about how the city of Philadelphia is embracing the Phillies, how much excitement there is but I don't know if there's anything I want more out of this year's baseball season than for Dusty Baker to finally win that World Series. He has managed 91 postseason games, which is the most by anyone to never win a World Series. It's the fourth most postseason games managed overall. He has 2,093 regular season wins, which is the ninth most overall, and again, the most without a title. It would be by far the most postseason games before winning a World Series, so nobody managed more before they finally won one. And the same for his regular season games, managed more than 3,800. He is just an incredible personality, manager, and just you know, an icon for this game.
1: When he was starting to get close to, what was it, 2,000 wins as a manager, I, I remember everyone in the baseball world was trying to ask everybody you could to get I, like stories and quotes from different legends in the game to talk about him. And that's when I asked Terry Francona about him because, I mean, it, it's hard to explain from the outside as much, and it's easier when there's these guys alongside him and he said the same thing sort of that you did. Um, he said, the, I mean, right off the bat, he said when you can call somebody by one word and it's just Dusty and you know who it is, that's when you know that he's a, a pretty special person to the game. Uh, and I, I think the biggest thing for Tito, what he would always talk about is like how good Dusty is with people and how maybe he doesn't get as much credit for his baseball IQ. Um, And so that was, I remember Tito talking about that and saying that he deserves to even have more credit for that because if you don't have that, you're not in the game for as long as, as Dusty has been. And so, and I know when I, he's been asked multiple times about like his favorite story if he has one. And the one that is always nearest and dearest to his heart, like if anyone knows Terry Francona, they know his father meant so much to him at the actual Tito Francona. Um, and he said that Dusty, when he had a chance to talk to him at some point, I guess Dusty had known his father through the game, obviously. And he's like, you know, you're talking to an African-American player in the 60s in the South. That's that's a different type of atmosphere. That's a different type of experience that not many people can relate to. And He said that, uh when he met Terry, he said that he told him that his dad was so good to him um, during that time. And Tito says, Tito hangs on to that so much. He's like, that just makes me so happy. And that's just the, one of my favorite things that anyone's ever told me. And so, I mean, it's just so special because everyone gets so giddy to talk about someone like this. And so you list all of the achievements. You list all the milestones. You list everything that he's been a part of. Uh, it, to have this opportunity once again to get to the World Series and then win the World Series. It's got to be, it's got to be fun. I know there were stories all on MLB.com talking about how everyone's saying we're winning it for Dusty, we're doing it for him. Uh, it's, uh, how cool is that to be able to sit there and, and read all of that and hear everyone have one main goal in mind and that's just doing it for Dusty.
0: It's amazing. And one of my favorite favorite parts about him is that through all those stories, like what you heard from Terry Francona and everything you can go and read, it really seems that he has been the same guy for so long. He's 73 now, but I feel like even when he was first getting into managing, He was very similar and I found this a few years ago and I come back to it every now and then. So I found the story in the New York Times from his introductory presser in December 1992 when he was introduced as the manager of the Giants. So first of all, the headline says, Baker, a trailblazer of an unexpected sort because it was an unexpected hire. His only managerial experience at that time was in the inaugural year of the Arizona Fall League in 1992. He'd been a coach for the Giants for five years prior, but right after he retired from baseball, he actually worked as an investment broker for a year and then came back to sports and came back to baseball. But he had this quote in his presser. He said, I didn't think it would happen this soon, although I had a plan that I would be a manager somewhere in five years. I'm excited, I'm psyched." And I feel like I could hear him saying that right now. So he's just such a wonderful personality and energy. And I, my favorite story about him, in a sort of more personal story, is that I didn't overlap with him at ESPN. But he, like Sherry Francona, worked on ESPN's Baseball Tonight in between managerial jobs. And I remember hearing this story from one of my colleagues at ESPN at the time, Mark Simon, who said, We had this setup where our research area was at ESPN, just a bunch of rows of desks, but then at the front of all of the rows, there were a bunch of TVs. And he said Dusty Baker, when he was in to do baseball at night, would just come over there, sit in the first row, put his feet up on the desk and just watch baseball there. Not talking with anyone. That's not where he was, you know, expected to be or anything. He just saw the TVs, made himself comfortable, and would sit there with his toothpick.
1: I love that so much. That's so great. I mean, the, the impact that he makes across baseball is just unbelievable. And now you, you can see, can he go and get that World Series title in a matter of what feels like eternity, but probably five days uh, from now whenever the World Series kicks off? I mean, is there an easy way to even start to break down a preview of what these two teams would look like against each other? Because you have – two teams that have this grit to them that it's like this never say die approach to it of, okay, we're going to find a way to win no matter what it takes. And it's going to be fun to see those two mindsets go head to head to see how they play against each other. But is there going to be a way to stop this Astros team? You think about the rest. I know both teams are going to be well rested because you have so many days off, but think of this, rotation. You have Justin Verlander, you have Valdez, you have all these guys that are coming in on on so much rest and ready to go. I, I can't even imagine trying to find ways to crack this team.
0: I do think that the ultimate difference maker will be that bullpen. I thought that was what was going to propel the Padres to victory over the Phillies. You know, the Phillies have had trials and tribulations with their bullpen. And full credit, it has been really good so far in the postseason. but at times it has felt like they're working on sort of borrowed time. And you wondered whether it's going to crack. I mean, even in the ninth inning in game five, they brought in David Robertson, players reached, and they ended up going to Ranger Suarez to close out the game. He gotten the win in game three, I believe, uh, earlier in the series. So just the idea that their individual role players in the bullpen are doing an incredible job, but whether they can continue to do this for four, or five, seven games, however many it might be. Whereas the Astros' bullpen has been unbelievable on another level. And of course, you know, when you look at the numbers and what they've done, the denominator is bigger. They play an 18 inning game. They had Luis Garcia coming in out of the bullpen in that one. But you know, our Brian McTaggart tweeted earlier. He said, Jose Urquidy, who has three career World Series wins, and you know how I feel about wins, but point taken here, has not thrown a pitch yet in the postseason for the Astros. I mean, it's just incredible the depth that they have, and I think the ability to use those arms however they need to out of the bullpen will probably be what ultimately tips this in their favor. I mean... On paper, there's no question they're the better team, but it's not always how it plays out, as we've seen. I mean, this Phillies team beat a Braves team that was better on paper. They beat a Padres team that was pretty evenly matched. They beat a Cardinals team. I mean, we forget. It was so long ago now. Everyone had penciled in the Cardinals to sweep that wall card series. I do think there is that inevitability that you said and that lack of fear. I mean, this team does not care that we're sitting here and saying that they're not as good on paper. They don't care that everyone is saying that. And I think that that really does go in their favor. I still think the Astros are going to win, but I I mean, I would love to be proven wrong, although I'd be heartbroken for Dusty.
1: I I agree, and I, I it's hard it's hard to sit there and and point out something on paper that would point towards the Phillies because, like you said, it's easy to point at the Phillies bullpen and say, okay, this could be the area of weakness that this could be the struggle for them when the Astros get into that when they get past Zach Wheeler, they could then end up really making a run for it and like start, I don't know, hit a homer in the fifth, hit a homer in the seventh, whatever it might be, you just start tapping into that bullpen and you can start causing some havoc on the bases. And I think when you look at the Astros, there's not a simple, this is the weakness. This is where you get them because there's not really an area where you get them. And the fact that not only do they have all of the, aspects of their roster working and clicking and everything really going in their favor they also have that same attitude of we're going to figure out how to win this no matter what it takes and that's a really dangerous combination to have the talent and have the mindset that they have right now and so i d- i don't know how you you take that down and so i'm doubling down on what you said of okay, the only way that I see this is like the sheer will that the Phillies have to just like prove people wrong and will themselves into wins. Um, I think it'll be crucial for them if they can get a win in game one and just sort of pop the balloon of this uh, Astros team of saying, we're undefeated so far, we're just cruising through this, we can do anything. You can sort of steer momentum into your favor and have that quick reality check of, okay, you guys are going to have to compete for everything that you're going to get here. That can make it pretty interesting. I think there's a different aspect that comes to the game when there's like an underdog team like the Phillies. We saw it when you you talked about the Nationals before. We saw it with the Nationals in the past. We saw what, what excitement can come from a team that has that underdog mindset that wasn't projected at the beginning of the year to be like this. I mean, you're talking about a team who had to fire their manager a couple months ago and really had to start from square one and figuring out what their identity is midway through a season. Um, that's quite the story and it's always fun to root for a a fun story and, uh, they, they certainly have that. So I think these are two really great teams to be going head to head in the world series for baseball purposes, for fan purposes. You can either hop on the bandwagon of going for the favorite and we want to see this undefeated team go. Where you can say, look, I love rooting for an underdog, and I'm going to go for the underdog here. There's always something for someone to root for, and I think that could make it very inclusive for all fans to really get into this World Series.
0: Definitely. You never know what is going to happen. These teams are very disparate, as we've said on paper. And to that point, the Phillies won 19 fewer regular season games than the Astros. That would be the fourth largest regular season wins upset in a postseason series. But you know what? Number two on the list was the Padres over the Dodgers this year. So we've seen recently how often these things can happen. And by the way, when the Phillies beat the Braves this year, that was a difference of 14 wins. But this is the second largest difference In regular season wins in any World Series. The only one that had a larger difference was 1906 when the White Sox won 23 fewer than the Cubs. You know who won that World Series? The White Sox, 23 fewer regular season wins. The Cubs won 116 games, set the record that then the Mariners tied in 2001, and they lost in the World Series. Now, there wasn't a full tournament. It was just the series. But you just never know. And that's you know, I feel like one of the common things that people say in baseball especially is that's why they play the game. I started to say, and then I said, you know what, let me explain it. And there has never been a better sort of, you know, piece of evidence to why we say that than this postseason. I know one side of the bracket went pretty chalky with the fact that we have the Astros. But the fact they're facing the Phillies after they were the sixth seed, that's why they play the game.
1: And now we have to wait until Friday at 8.03 p.m. Eastern Time to see how any of this is going to play out i'm going to be literally on the edge of my seat until then because this is such a long wait but as sarah told us there's baseball and do hyung park to watch in the meantime yes. um but we'll we'll take a quick break now and when we come back we can hit on our favorite moments in baseball from the last week Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardian's beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Lang's researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. And Sarah has so many favorite moments in baseball at all times in her brain that I think she's scattering right now to even figure out which one she's going to choose. So on the count of three, it's going to be a surprise to everybody, including Sarah, what she says. So one, two,
0: three... Ready? (laughs) As I told you, when we were getting ready to do this segment, I had no idea what I was going to say, but something will come out. (laughs) I think for me, I know we've talked a lot about the Phillies, but I think for me, it has to be The way the city has really taken on the song that has been kind of their anthem. That Dancing on My Own, it's a remix by Callum Scott and Tiesto, I think. And it's a song that...
1: Sarah's out of her element.
0: (laughs) I'm very out of my element. If you could see my face right now. Um but it's a it's a yeah a remix of a song that was by someone named Robin I believe. I learned this all last year with the Red Sox and that's kind of my point here. So it was Kevin flewecki on the Red Sox backup catcher also former Guardians great, right? Oh yes. Uh, so he was backup catcher on the Red Sox last year. He made it his walk-up song, and then it kind of found its way onto the Red Sox post-game win playlist. And of course, if you don't know the song, the, the uh, you know, gist of it is, you know, no one notices me, you don't notice me, but I'm going to keep dancing on my own. I'm doing this. And, you know, it's this idea of being overlooked. And... The Red Sox really ran with it last year. They beat the Yankees in the wildcard game, and then they took down the Rays, who everyone thought was going to beat them in the division series, and then eventually lost to the Astros. And there was such an element of, you know, we are surprising everyone. And you would see Kyle Schwarber, who is the part of this story, dancing to this song and all of their celebrations and everything. So then he signs in the offseason with the Phillies and at some point as the Phillies are kind of creating their own post-game win playlist, he says, hey, this song was fun, let's do that. And it has now become the Phillies celebration song. So if you're a baseball fan the way I am a baseball fan, which is that you watch everyone and you root for everyone, You've basically been hearing this song for years year straight now. And I love how the Phillies fans have really embraced it. If you watch these games, the home games, it's the first thing they play, I think, after they win the game at home in the postseason. You hear the fans sing it. They've been playing it in Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia, and there were some videos that went viral after they won uh, one of the games over the weekend, where there were people who lived in South Philly who just heard it echoing (laughs) through the streets and I just thought it was the greatest thing. So that's my moment is the song and the Phillies and how much fun everyone is having.
1: I think that that's part of why underdog teams have such a fan base behind them because you, you have this group of people who have followed this team from whenever it was not doing great. And when it went through a managerial change and all of these hoops that they had to jump through, uh, these these fan bases get so into it. And when there's something going on that's not expected, the celebrations are so huge. I mean, within the clubhouse and within the streets of Philadelphia. And the celebrations have been... To astronomical as we've seen so far on social media and that's different for teams who are expected to be there you don't have houston being lit on fire right now out of super excitement because of them getting here that was sort of expected would have been the same with the dodgers dodgers fans were like okay yeah this is the best team are obviously gonna make it to the world series but when it comes down to like the phillies or the clevelands of the world or whatever it may be when it's so much of a blind side, Fan bases get so into it. and it's just so enjoyable to watch from afar, even, just though scrolling through social media, I have friends. I mean I'm from Pennsylvania. I have friends who were from Philly. And I see all of their Instagram stories like out in the streets of Philly. And it's just, it's really, really comical. And I'm laughing at all these people making idiots of themselves or like doing funny things and dancing in the street and doing all that stuff. I think it's, I think it's fun for sports. And so um, I think that's great. I'm glad you gave the backstory of all of that with Schwarber. Um, I think I'm going to give your guys some love a little bit more for my moment because we can't help but double, triple, quadruple down on Dusty Baker. Um, I thought it was such a cool moment after the game last night, Sunday night, that I think it was Chelsea Janes who tweeted it originally. I think a couple people tweeted it, but I'll shout out her because hers was the tweet that I saw. Aaron Boone walked down to the visitors' clubhouse and just patiently waited outside While the Astros are inside celebrating, defeating them, sweeping them, sending them home early and just patiently waits just to congratulate Dusty. And if there's anything that encapsulates, if we haven't hit on it enough, what this guy means to the game. And I'm not saying that Boone wouldn't have done this if it was someone else. I'm not saying that sportsmanship is dead unless it's for Dusty Baker. Which, yeah, Dusty definitely brings it up more. But I'm just saying, like, this man really does bring it out in people more than anyone else. And so for him to have come the whole way down there, patiently wait with media standing outside of a locked clubhouse door while you can hear screams and champagne being poured on the other side of the wall. Dusty came out and I think what she typed in her tweet that the quote that she heard Dusty say to Aaron Boone was, I always love you. You know that. And just for that moment, it's just like, oh, pull at the heartstrings. Um, It was just so cool. You see a very champagne-soaked Dusty Baker with the goggles still up on his forehead that he just lifted up to come out and see Aaron. And uh, he still had like a bottle of champagne in his left hand while he's hugging Boone with the right hand. And it was just a really sportsmanshipy type of moment which seems sort of cheesy but in this moment it just was it was too genuine too sweet of a moment to pass up so I really I really appreciated that and thought that was really cool to make sure that that was out there I'm glad Chelsea was able to tweet that out for everyone to see that and to just see what what Dusty means to the baseball world
0: a hundred percent I'm glad you mentioned that I loved that moment And I just think it really shows people how much these individuals mean to the sport, mean to each other, and how much really goes on beyond just what happens on the field. I know Yankees fans are upset with how the series went. I know all of that. But I love this moment of humanity. And I do hope people are able to take a step back and see that, and it's a really cool moment too. You think of Aaron Boone, not that deep into his managerial career yet. And then you think of a guy like Dusty Baker, who has managed for the better part of my entire life, the better part of 30 years at this point. And the idea of, you know, could Boone at one point be that kind of figure? And I just, I love the connection, the camaraderie. You think of the fact that uh, Aaron Boone was on the Reds in 03 when Dusty was managing the Cubs for the first year and all of the places along the way that they definitely crossed paths, of course, in these series of the last few years and just overall. And to
1: think the next time that we're talking about this, they would have already wrapped up the first two games of the World Series. They're already leaving Houston. I'm so excited for this series to get underway. I know I keep saying it that we have to wait to get there, but it'll be worth the wait. But I think that's all we can do now for previewing, looking ahead. We'll just have to wait to see how the rest of this plays out. And I'm so excited to get there. So I think that'll do it for this week's podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show, which we always hope you are, or you have any suggestions for us at all, please leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, and we'll see you next week.